0: having got ordained about a month ago and um One of the things that happened to me last week is I visited a Dartmoor parish, and I thought, hmm, this is my first visit to them, and I'm going to be doing some traditional services with them. So I dressed up appropriately with the collar, and I drove out there, and I got there really early. And if you've been to the village of Lustley for a walk or a cream tea, you will know it gets really, really packed on Sundays. And so I showed up like 40 minutes before the service, and it was packed. There were cars absolutely everywhere. And... um, so I thought, oh, I'll just ask someone. So I wound down the window, and I'd forgotten I was wearing the collar. And I was like, oh, excuse me, do you think, um, is there anywhere I can park here? And this lady said, oh, are you, here to, are you here to lead the service? I did not lie. I said, no, I'm not, actually. I'm here to sort of, like, just get to know people. Anyway, collar work, it's magic. And she said, oh, well, if you're here for the church, you can park anywhere you like. And I said, well, thank you, but there's nowhere to park. I can't see anywhere. And she said, you go back to the village hall, and where it says no parking, you can park there. And I thought, do you know what? Forty quid, it was worth it. (laughs) I haven't tried it in the city. I'm not quite sure that the collar would work its magic around the traffic wardens in um, Southern Hay, so I won't be chancing that. So every day's a school day, isn't it? We're always learning something new. So uh, partly what we've been doing here for the last few weeks is looking at the healing stories of Jesus because our uh, vision statement for church is on earth as it is in heaven. And one of the things that we've been encouraging one another in is to get more confident in praying for, uh, for healing for people within the church and outside of the church, and also more confident in bringing ourselves forward, asking God to draw close to us and bring us healing and wholeness. And so uh, today we are going to look at a story, and uh, the reason I want to introduce the story is because as you hear the story, which may be familiar if you've been around a little while, uh, have a little wonder as you hear it because I think there are some obstacles to healing in this story. If I was hanging around at that time, I, would, I think I might spot a few hindrances to either bringing myself forward for healing or someone else forward and, and for praying for the healing of someone else. So I'm gonna ask Jack to read now. <laughs> and uh, as you listen, and I think it'll probably be on the screen, uh, check out what you think the difficulties or the potential obstacles might be in the passage
1: so this is in luke 5 uh, starting from verse 17 Uh, jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man Uh, one day jesus was teaching and pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there they had come from every village of galilee and from judea and jerusalem and the power of the lord was with jesus to heal the sick Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today.
0: Great, thanks, Jack. So, as you uh, followed through on that story, you know, we can skip to the end and think, Oh, it all went so well. But let's just give a few minutes. So chat to the person next to you. I am a teacher, but this is not a test and there will not be group feedback. So no stress. Um, Just have a little conversation with someone around you. What do you think were the potential tripwires in the story? What might have prevented that paralyzed man from getting the healing that he had come for? Just have a couple of minutes to have a chat about that together. Okay, great. Can you um, close all your best ideas and um, come back to me? That would be great. Okay, so as we go through this evening, you can think, hmm, did I think of any of those things? I had to think about what I thought some of the potential tripwires in the story, some of the obstacles that had to be overcome, some of the potential hazards in it. And I was imagining I was in the scene they you know, so I always like imagining uh, that maybe, imagining even that I was Jesus because Jesus passes his authority onto us, his followers. We see that Jesus does that when he chooses 12. We see that he does it when he sends out the 72 with mixed positive and negative outcomes. You might want to look at that story. And then he sends out even more. And at the end of Matthew, he sends out all his followers to preach the good news about Jesus and to teach everything he's taught and that includes healing and I don't know if you're a little bit like me but sometimes when it comes for presenting myself for healing or praying for the healing of someone else sometimes I experience a dislocation between the theory and the practice and maybe I'm alone with that little dislocation between theory and practice but maybe one or two of you also think yes I do believe Jesus heals yes I do believe Jesus wants to use people but probably there's someone in the room a little more qualified than me. And then we can sort of like back away from the thing. So uh, in this story, there are a few obstacles which may resonate with us. So the first one is that there are people watching. So this is very early in Jesus' ministry. And the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious experts, experts in the law, have come from around the area to have a little look, to see what is going down, with this Jesus ministry and I suspect that they weren't leaning in curiously I suspect they were leaning back inside a cynical sort of judgmental kind of way and so that feeling that oh you know I could pray for my neighbor or I but what if someone saw or I could pray for my neighbor but what if they thought bad of me or I could pray for this person, but, well, I would if there weren't so many other people around. And so just being aware of the impact on others, on our actions, and being willing to, like, recognize that obstacle and sort of think, yeah, that's okay. It's always gonna be there. That obstacle's never gonna go away. There are always gonna be people around. There are always gonna be people leaning in with curiosity. There are always gonna be people leaning out with cynicism and judgment. that's just the way of the world. And so we're not going to change those things. So we can just accept them and we can lean into receiving and asking uh, for healing anyway. Another uh, obstacle I thought was a personal and practical obstacle is that this bloke that needs healing is paralyzed. He can't get there on his own. And so we'll come back to the importance of the fact that it is a serious obstacle that he cannot get there on his own. And another, is a context, another contextual obstacle is that he's too crowded to get in. So even if he was only partially paralyzed, he wouldn't be able to get in because the, the area is absolutely crowded and he can't get close enough to Jesus. And those obstac- those are the obstacles that may resonate slightly with us. So someone might if later, for example, we said, oh, if you'd like prayer for your full physical healing, why don't you just raise a hand and some people will gather around you, I bet this would happen. Let's imagine Naomi wanted healing, right? She'd be like, yeah, me. And we'd be like, I oh, hope someone else goes forward first. <laughs> it's like, oh, Ian and Jackie over there. They're going to do it, aren't they? Good, I don't need to. <laughs> oh, look, there's Val. Oh, there's James. He won't mind praying. Oh, I can just back away. And we all, I do that. You know, I feel that, um, that kind of inner tension that, you know, does it, does it have to be me? And again, I think this is one of those things we can just relax about. You know, that—that that is an, of course we're going to feel that way. Of course we're going to feel someone else is more experienced, has more faith, is more qualified than us. Of course we feel like that. But actually we don't need to worry about that. We're just like, of course I feel like that. And we pray for someone anyway or we ask someone else to pray for us anyway because that inattention isn't resolved by not doing anything or like, you know, kind of sitting sitting there and suffering. It's like we just have to sort of accept that's how we are and do it anyway. I am not great with unplanned encounters. I'm actually quite uh, shy, so it's very difficult for me if I, if I meet someone in an unplanned way and it happened to me today so I dropped Phil off to go and see the cricket and I thought I'll quickly grab a takeaway in Starbucks and this is honestly tragically true of me I'm sta- I've o- I've ordered and I'm in the queue and I clock someone I know from about six years ago and I'm like oh no and I can fi- I'm like oh no you know she's seen me can I get out <laughs> can I get out there and I'm like come on pull yourself together you know like get a grip on yourself. You 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 just need to have a You know you need to get a grip basically. So I managed to get enough grip on myself to, like, not try and look for another exit. But I was like, and then this person clocked me, and I was like, oh hi, thinking. <laughs> got to really deal with it. Anyway, um, we had an amazing conversation, and it was lovely to talk to her. And having time with her was a real blessing to me, and I think to her as well. But that sort of internal conflict, it happens to us all. It happens to me in Starbucks. So imagine how it, like, if someone... You know, so if you're feeling slightly like that, if I said, oh, could you just come here and pray for Naomi's healing? And you're like freaking out. At least that doesn't happen to you in Starbucks, eh? And so I'm sure you can just like accept that in a church and join in anyway. Because we can see in this story how essential community is. This paralyzed person has zero chance of getting close to Jesus without his community. Some people, maybe he's asked them for help. Maybe they've looked at him and thought, hmm, do you want a healing mate? Yeah, I've got no chance getting in there. Oh, hang on, we're going to help you. And then they get there and they're like, oh, it's too full. What are you going to do now? We've, you know, we've said we'd help him. And, oh, I know. Let's just get the roof off <laughs> and lower him in. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing. They, they, this, this paralyzed man has, has trusted his friends to bring him to Jesus. He has leaned into community and friendship. And then they have come up with a crazy idea to get him up on the flat roof and lower him in. I mean, it's nuts, isn't it? It is not like, you know, I get, if he could have held on, he would have held on to that mat as they lowered him down. And one of the things about healing is it's a community activity. Jesus could heal, you know, God can heal anyone he wants. He chooses to do it through us, his ordinary people. He chooses to do it through Starbucks chickens like me. And he chooses to do it like brave people like you. And he chooses for us to partner in this together. And we are called to be community. I was at a little festival the other day and there was a great talk. And uh, this guy said, do you think it is enough for you to love God and that's it. Is it enough for you to just love God and for God to love you? And uh, because he was American, he kind of waited for voting. We're not going to do that because it's extra and We won't do that. But uh, he said, is it enough for you, just you and God, for your personal relationship with God to be enough? And he said, no, it isn't. Because we can see as God is creating the world, he's making trees and animals and they're all good. And he makes the first human and he's like, "Uh uh-oh, it's not good for you to dwell alone. And he makes another human. And Jesus says it's really important that you love God and that you love your neighbor. Loving one another is at the heart of human design. And it is really important that we gather around those of us that have visible and invisible needs and we are willing to be those people that will carry one another in on a mat, that we are willing to find a solution to help someone stay close to Jesus by luring them in through the roof. And it's really important that we are able to lean in when we have needs ourselves, that we are able to trust our church family, and trust, be vulnerable to say, I I need some help here. I need some healing of my body. I need some healing of my heart. I need some healing of my mind. Because this is part of what it means to be human, to lean in together, to carry one another, to love one another. And it is so important in an increasingly individualistic culture You know, one of the things that I think is so important about healing is that when people gather to pray for one another, we're showing the world that we can be vulnerable and that we can be trustworthy to one another and that we're willing to do slightly embarrassing things, you know, like to lay hands on people, to persist in prayer so that someone can come through and experience the closeness of God. And that is part of what it means to be a city on a hill and a light to the world. The world needs to see this kind of community and we need to step up with our courage and we need to step in with our vulnerability um, around healing in this way. So one of the ways of overcoming the obstacles is to not do it on our own, to be part of God's family, to lean in and to be willing to be vulnerable. And we see that the faith of this group delights Jesus. He sees them carry this person in and he is like, he loves their faith. He loves that they are willing to do that. He loves that they are willing to do a crazy thing to lower this person in, to get him close to Jesus. Faith delights the heart of God. Uh, uh, There's a sort of semi-famous sort of story that's linked to various anthropologists, and uh, they they ask the anthropologist, what's the sign of a civilized society? And the anthropologist replies and and shows a picture of a broken femur that has been healed. And the anthropologist said, in an uncivilized society someone with a broken thigh bone would be left to die, like an animal would. In a civ- the healing of a thigh bone shows a civilized society. It shows that that person who was wounded was allowed to rest, was allowed to be kept safe, and was allowed to be nurtured by the community back to fullness of health. And we are invited to do that for one another, and we are invited to do that for the world, because Jesus sends us into the world to offer this kind of healing because the world really needs to see it and in this story we see the consequence of that because at the end the person who was paralyzed is asked to do an impossible thing get up and walk it is an impossible thing for him but it becomes possible and when we're praying for healing we are walking on the, into the threshold of impossibility and that's another thing I think we can relax about. You know, we don't go gung-ho into praying for physical or emotional healing for people like, oh, yeah, let's just, like, do it. It's all going to be fine. Most of us are like, okay, let's do, let's, like, this is someone else's life. You know, this is, they, 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 they're really holding faith for this. I need to honor that. I'm feeling really weak. And I don't want to let them down. And like, what if they're not healed? And then all that interruption, internal dialogue, makes us back away and think, oh I'll tell you what, let's just say, um, or like, let's just bless them. <laughs> Actually pray for the healing. And that reminds me in this story, one of the obstacles that is overcome is the interruption of the scribes and Pharisees, because Jesus says your sins are forgiven. They're like, what? How could you do that? And so just to be aware that our internal dialogue can be an obstacle, that sometimes it's just worth going, like, just be quiet. I'm going to do it anyway, because we can't sort of talk ourselves up into um, a place where we are willing to offer ourselves for healing or to receive healing. And what I would say, you know, it's quite interesting, probably, hearing different ones of us talk about healing, because each of us bring a different angle on it. And for me, the heart of healing prayer is worship. For me, the reason I would pray a healing prayer for somebody else is out of obedience to Jesus. It's because he said, go and do it. Go and heal the sick. That's why I do it not because I feel full of amazing power or faith or anything like that, but on my knees, empty-handed, just out of obedience. And for me, it's like a a way of worshipping. It's a way of saying, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word. And it's a way of Honouring the sacrifice of Jesus because I'm putting that person above my own inadequacies at that point. I'm saying I care more about an outcome for you than I do about feeling too small for the task. And one of the scriptures that really ignites this for me is a little further on in Luke. Um, around about Luke 10 and Jesus has seven, sent out uh, 70 to all sorts of towns and villages and it's the story where he says to them don't take your coat, don't take your shoes, leave your bag behind and don't speak to anyone on the way and I love that story because when well, you get that sense of them being stripped of all their security You know, they haven't got their coat, they haven't got any money. And it's a really good idea that he says, don't speak to anyone on the way. Because obviously, anyone they've spoken to and said, oh, we're just going off to heal the sick and raise the dead, okay? They're going to be like, don't do it, don't do it. (laughs) And, And he's wanting to silence that destructive dialogue. So it's like, don't look back, don't get distracted by the voices of others, or your inner voices, just go and do it. So they go and do it. And uh, it goes a little bit wrong, (laughs) because one of the things that happens uh, is that they come back, and they say to Jesus, oh, there's this whole, like, um, group of people, and they didn't listen to us at all. And then uh, he's like, they're like, you know, can we pray bad stuff on them? He's like, no, no, no. And then they come back, and they they come back again, and the 70 returned with joy. So we're in... uh, where in Luke 10, 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this. Like, those are good things, but don't rejoice at that. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at that, but rejoice that, this, uh, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's like, yes, yeah, spiritual powers will obey you, but rejoice that you're known in heaven. Rejoice that you belong. And then he sort of like goes for this sort of like, quite barbed in salt, which I quite like and I don't mind owning. At the same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. So being obedient to God in this way brings joy to Jesus. You know, it triggers worship in him. He's full of the Holy Spirit and full of joy and he says, he prays out, I thank you Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and had revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this is your will. Like it is the purpose of Jesus, to reveal these things to children like us, to people that do not know all the answers, that people that like, haven't got loads of theological knowledge or loads of experience, all we are asked to do is be those little children and just have a go. Because earlier in this passage, Luke writes, the power of God was present to heal. And that is very interesting because as John said last week, There are times in the ministry of Jesus when Jesus can't execute the healings because the faith and the judgment is is not very high, and he gets that in his own town. And so it's not a given that the power of God is present to heal. Luke can say it because he's writing retrospectively, isn't he? He's like looking back at these stories and recording them like... Oh, yeah, that bloke, you know, got off his mat. Yeah, the power of God was present to heal. Unfortunately, in the present tense, we don't really get that kind of level of insight of like, you know, is God present to heal or isn't God present to heal? You know, is the power here? Isn't the power here? The only way we know is by going empty-handed, without our cloak, without our bag, without the distraction of the uh, external, internal voice, getting on our knees and praying for somebody in the name of Jesus anyway. That's the only way. And that is where the worship is. Because we say, God, I have nothing. But I trust that you have everything. And that is, for me, like the, the simplicity, I suppose, of the healing Thing comes down to, will I go empty-handed and vulnerable and serve or be served by another child of God? But that act releases the joy of the Holy Spirit, and it is what we are made for. We are made to love God, to worship him, and to serve one another in that way. So. I wonder where we are with our obstacles and our little ladders over the obstacles. So one of the things that we like to help each other with here at Network Church is just recognizing when some of our actions or our thinking's gone a little bit off and turning from it, repenting of it before God and inviting him to line us up again with the way he sees things. And so just in the quietness of our own hearts, if, a, if there's a particular... Uh, aspect of the healing ministry or a particular obstacle that resonates for you that you just want to repent of, that you just want to be free of and refresh by and have your mind renewed from, then just take a moment to think about that. May, nothing may come to mind, in which case just relax, but some of us may want to do this. So, Jesus, we thank you that it is your kindness, it's the mercy of God that leads us to repentance. It is always your act of love towards us to realign us. And so we just recognize before you where our theory and practice of healing has gone awry. We repent now in quietness of our own fault lines. we turn away from those fault lines and we lift our eyes to you Jesus and we recognise we are just children, we are those little ones and we ask you God to send your Holy Spirit upon us change our hearts and minds and our practices God that we may worship you. We may worship you through giving ourselves to praying for others and receiving prayer ourselves. Lord, align us as a community with all that you have in mind for this church and for this city. We want to worship you by following your commands, Jesus, and we're sorry where we haven't, and we thank you that your Holy Spirit equips us to say yes to impossible things. So help us, we pray. Amen. So I feel like we've got about 10 minutes, so I think what might be good is if we could, could, Gideon, could we grab the band? And I think it's good to just let these things um, settle a bit. So, Gideon, if you can find something like not too long, <laughs> but enough to let, let people just settle into the business with God that they've done. And then we are going to uh, engage in actually praying for some of us. And we, pray, we will happily pray for anyone with, that would like prayer for a physical condition and we will also happily pray for anyone that would like to pray for any kind of like emotional or psychological condition or any condition in life where you require like the strengthening of God and it's up to you you don't have to like say anything to the person that you that offers to pray with you at all you can just say oh just just pray I'll be strengthened or you can actually tell them something specific that you want help with but we're gonna we're just gonna worship Jesus we're gonna thank him that he's in the business of renewing our minds and empowering his people and then we'll do some praying together does that seem okay